Hi, I'm Margie Namora, and welcome to another episode of our side dish, The Dream Dinner Party. This is the mini episode where we invite a guest to tell us all about their dream dinner party. Everything from the guest list to the menu, the playlist, we're going to hear it all. A returning guest today in the very lovely form of Tom Carriage. I really, truly appreciate so much how much thought the guests are putting into their answers, and Tom was no exception. I think a lot of people would be behind Tom as Prime Minister. What do you think? Tom's brilliant new book, Pub Kitchen, the ultimate modern British food Bible, is out this week, and it's a delicious collection of pub classics with a twist that you can make at home. I'll pop all the information in the show notes. I've got a copy and it looks fantastic. Despite being a Michelin-starred chef, Tom's recipes are always so accessible and achievable. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Dream Dinner Party. I'm so happy you're enjoying it. Without further ado, here is Tom Carriage's Dream Dinner Party. Well, my, my general thoughts on dinner parties, um, they actually, I've got to be honest, they make my toes curl just a okay. little. <laughs> and and it, it feels like everything about middle class and middle England that is everything that I haven't come from, which is why I do restaurants so people don't have to do dinner parties. They can come out to eat with us. But actually, it also gets to that point where I, I've also never very often get invited because people <gasps> don't normally, like, want to cook. For a chef they feel quite intimidated by it and the process of it but my dinner parties now normally they're not like dinner parties they're normally like afternoon barbecues those are the sort of things that i like going to i, I love the informality of it um i've never really been wanting to dressing up even like going into restaurants even though that's my world the dinner party zone is actually more like a barbecue zone but when i do the barbecue the dinner party style you put my, the same amount of effort into like the other day I did a, I did a brisket of beef and I was up at half four in the morning spraying it with apple juice and then went back oh. to bed again. So the energy and the effort still goes into it. So those are kind of my dinner parties as they work now. You're right. It's the, the name dinner party has slightly bad connotations, doesn't it? But it, the concept is essentially having friends around. And as you say, having an afternoon barbecue. It's amazing. I'm also yeah. not surprised that people feel intimidated to invite you around to their house. I think that's understandable, Tom. Yeah, well, until you, you know, at least I hope you get to know me where you just think, actually, we'll just come around and just do a curry. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, that's, he still I mean, likes to amazing. eat. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> It's just nice to be invited to somebody else do it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, Tom Carriage, welcome to your dream dinner party. We're going to begin with the guest list. Who are you going to invite? So the guest list is Barack Obama, mm. Jess Phillips, yes. the MP, Joe Marler, the England uh, and Harlequins rugby player, and Brian <laughs> Blessed, the really loud, over-the-top, English eccentric, giant human being actor. <laughs> wow okay this is quite a combination let's go through each of them why have you selected each person um should we start with barack obama yes i mean i've always felt fairly political 
in even from a young kid. I come from a working class background, single parent family, and politics has always been, I've always been quite interested in it. My uncle was a member of the Labour Party. I felt uh, politics was always something that I've been quite interested in, particularly where people genuinely represent a group of people and a people that feel that they're always, I suppose, uh, uh, on the harder side of society that do need representation, that do need um, the underdog, that does feel that sometimes corporations or, or money just rules the world where people mm. need um, support and representation. I think Barack Obama is somebody who still represents people. He's somebody that um, came across with, I suppose, class and charm, uh, credibility, coolness. He was a person that I think you could probably connect to. There was a lot of honor about him and grace. And I think that's probably been showcased even more by the following president that came in. I think the past few years, we've missed this world of normal human beings, like the grown-ups being in charge. Mm -hmm. It's like everyone's mm -hmm. gone away. And it's like a load of teenagers have found themselves at a dinner party <laughs> with, with the keys to the booze cupboard and have like, be, and all been doing like ludicrously mental things. And it's about time that the grown-ups came home now. There needs to be some sense of credibility coming back and he mm. was somebody that i think represented people and he was so cool and is so cool and has if you think of the wonderful stories like and connections of people you could get out of him like global world stories and uh, and how connected he is i think he would be a very very interesting dinner party guest yeah, he would be amazing. You're so right. Like when he came into power, you could feel like the whole world just felt so excited. It felt like such an important moment in time, didn't it? Yeah, massively, massively, yeah. But I think once you get him to your dinner party, you'll never want to let him go, Tom. No, I, th I think we'd have to convince him to run for one of a party or set up his own party in this country. Like he's not allowed to leave uh, unless he runs for some form of political party, sets up one here and has a go at it. Like I think, I mean, I think he'd have a lot of followers. Yeah, there you go. Okay, let's make it happen. <laughs> right, so who, who was next on your list? The next one was Jess Phillips, the Labour mm. MP. So I follow the Labour Party. I'm a Labour Party supporter, um, but I don't always agree with everything that they say. I do find politics quite an interesting space to be, but it's not just like, it hasn't got to be like football where you just you are just one team and that's it and that's the only thing mm. you know you can have understandings of both parties and this is why you have cross-party conversations but there's something about Jess Phillips I've been very fortunate I've met her um and she's very connected with people my mum's from Birmingham um I know the city well not really well but I know it quite well not as well as I know London but I, she represents an area she represents people she represents that working class background she's a a hard-working, outspoken, strong woman. My my life is actually run and alongside and with hard, outspoken, strong women, like my PA, my general manager of Marlowe, my restaurant director in London, my uh, head chef at the butchers, my head chef at the coach. They're all female. My wife, the strongest person in my life, is, you know, is a female, hardworking artist. You know, I like being surrounded by, you know, really strong-minded and will, um, strong-willed women that have 
take control of situations. And, and Jess Phillips is somebody that I think would hold her own and have so much to say and represent an area and a working class background. And I think she'd get on very well with Barack Obama. Yeah. Would you ever be interested in getting into the world of politics? So I, I do think about the world of politics. Yes and no. In some ways, I'd love to be involved in it. And I try to be involved in it as much as I can in terms of helping regarding the hospitality industry and regarding things like free school meals and the Healthy Start scheme and uh, uh, the full-time meals campaign that I set up. So when I talk to people about, you know, coming from a single parent family, having free school meals, understanding the pressures that single parents face, um, the understanding of the, uh, I suppose, the stigma that kids might have a feeling that they come from that you know that is something that I can talk about something that I know and recognize and come from so I find it very easy to talk about that but if you were to talk to me about the NHS and the housing crisis and I, I could understand the party political line but I couldn't really tell you from my heart and soul don't let that stop you it hasn't stopped, any, <laughs> hasn't stopped anyone yeah, else yeah. but that's where I think it that's where I think I would come unstuck as a politician because I couldn't really talk about it from a heartfelt view right so who else was on your list so it was uh joe marler the yes. england and harlequins rugby player he's played for harlequins his whole career i'm not a harlequins fan by the way i'm from oh. gloucester i'm a big gloucester fan but he is someone who i find incredibly inspiring very interesting at, in terms of competitive sport i'm a big rugby fan and it's well i used to play quite a lot as i was a kid my best friend played for Gloucester and England and the the difference between him becoming a a, I suppose a professional sportsman the commitment that you give is very similar to that of a chef there's so many sacrifices and Joe Marler at at some point and still does represent England at one point he was most definitely the best in the world at his position and he still has a huge impact now he's gone to the World Cup. He's there for a, a point. He might not play all games and he won't play all 80 minutes of all games, but he's, he's at, coming towards the end of his career and it's the, he's at that transitional point, I think, of finding you know, he's finding a place for himself in the media. He's got an incredibly well-listened to podcast. He talks very well. He's very funny. He's very charismatic but he's also done a huge amount for mental health, for representing Calm, the mental health charity. The commitment that he's given to being a, a committed sportsman in this very gladiatorial, hardcore sport. And I love that, the idea of the talk of what he's achieved, where he's been, the world travels that he's been on, the places that he's seen, the stories that, you know, imagine being an international rugby player and the daft stories that there might be. I think that makes a good dinner party guest. Definitely. Oh my goodness. Okay, this is really shaping up to be a very good dinner party. And now we haven't even got on to Brian, Brian <laughs> yeah, Blessed. Yeah. yeah, Brian Blessed. <laughs> I don't know how old he is. He must be nearly 80. I, I mean, if not more. And like, And his... I mean, he's been Hollywood movies. He's played incredible parts. And you've seen him interviewed in times where he's he's, he's almost brutally funny, like, like in his honesty. But also there's a lot of things about him that I remember as a young kid watching and reading and seeing newspaper um, and, and television reports of him climbing very high up Everest. Really? Yeah, he's done it two or three times. Oh, wow. Where it, so just... Somebody who who decides to do things. He's a doer. And he's one of those much bigger, larger than life characters. Like him and Joe Marler, I mean, they're two bigger, larger than life. In fact, probably all four of them 
are hugely charismatic people that I think all have very, very interesting stories to tell. I need to be a fly on the wall watching Barrack and Brian having a chat. <laughs> yeah, that would be really interesting. Yeah, that, I mean, it, I, and loud, I imagine. Or maybe Barracks would be very calm and, and, and today yeah. and, and Brian's responses would be very loud and shouty. Oh, it'd be so good. Okay, so when you're planning a dinner party, I'm assuming we're going for an afternoon lunchtime dinner party is that what we're doing yeah so I'm a non-drinker right so I've not drunk now for 10 nearly 11 years and it's been a great journey like it's been amazing but I've also found that even when I was a drinker lunches were always better than dinner because Mm. when you finish dinner you go on you keep going you keep like particularly if I was a drinker it was like right we've done like that bit was cool let's go and do some something else so and and lunches so long boozy lunches are brilliant but even as a non-drinker it's kind of like you know lunch times are great i love it because it's still daylight you've finished and you've had some you've had an indulgent time you don't get sleepy at the end you know like those weird awkward bits at the end if you're around at someone's dinner and they're looking start looking at their watch going like maybe it's time you left now i, <laughs> I don't want that i want people to feel like you know it's still only five o'clock six o'clock in the evening what should we do? Like people can make their excuses and disappear if they wanted, or if you want to stay late, it's no bother because it's not actually that late. So it it, yeah. it it removes that weird awkward bit at the end. Okay, so you're asking people for like two p.m. Yeah, come at two. I mean, come at one. Yeah. Come at twelve. Come whenever you want. Do you know what I mean we come at twelve? We we'll walk the dogs. It's no bother. But what does that mean, Tom? So you're going to say to Barrack, look, come anytime from twelve. But what time do you actually want him to be there? Like if he came at 12 and I told everyone else at two, that would be quite good. I could get a couple of hours to him on my own. Like, okay, could you yeah. imagine taking back you, Barack Obama, and taking the dogs for a walk through the woods? I mean, how cool is that? What did you do yeah. before you got here? Well, me and Barrack took the dogs for a walk. I mean... You, you Barrack, and like six secret service men. But yeah. Yeah, that is probably true. Yeah, actually. But yeah. no, that's still yeah. very cool. That's yeah, very I mean, cool. it's still cool. Yeah. Yeah, they'd have to walk many steps behind you and not listen to your conversation. Yeah. When you're planning something with friends and something like this are you very prepared like do you know well in advance what you're going to make is everything ready to go or how do you approach that side of things well yeah something like this I am I mean I'm quite lucky look this this is my job cooking is my job so now on a Sunday morning like my little man he goes to rugby I take him to rugby training with all the other mums and dads and the other kids there and if we're what you doing this afternoon we have got nothing like oh should we come around us and do a barbecue and like then we'll go yeah all right so then you might end up with 25 people in our house two hours later. So I'm quite good. At Be last. careful who you tell this to. You're going to have loads of stragglers turning up on a Sunday. You're going to have to come to rugby training first. That's the thing to get the I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> but then, so that I'm quite good at doing that last minute. Let's do that. Let's just set fire to something and cook something. It'd be quite good fun. Yeah. But actually, when you go with... Um, something like this it would be much more structured and planned i I know the menu that i do i put it together uh make sure that it works so it actually works out as a stress-free thing because those things you are still cooking whilst people are there i'd like to do something that's a little bit more organized so you can enjoy the time of people's company and that's really important when it comes to those kind of dinner parties or inviting people around thing having that kind of structure so that you can plan so you can actually enjoy process of being a host rather than getting everybody and you hiding in the kitchen well especially because it is your job so otherwise you're just in danger of doing your job in your house for the guests Um, and set the scene for us is this happening at home or where do you envisage this happening i do it at my house i'm very lucky we've got um we've moved myself and my wife we've been married 23 years coming up and we've been together quite uh, 25 26 years 
maybe more actually. But it's we, you get to the point where and we've moved house. I think the last count was something like thirteen times. But we're now we're now at a place where we're not moving. Like okay, we, you're in your forever house. Yeah, we've we've been there for ages. And Beth's an artist, and she's got a great big studio underneath the house. And we're very lucky; it's on the river in Marlow. So we've got every, every, everything about it is great. And the kitchen is, you know, I well, the kitchen's good. We've done it once, but it's not right. I want to do it again, but I haven't. We haven't broached that subject just yet. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'll have to. You know, I have to bide my time with that one. I got to work out when when's the right time to tell her we we need to do the kitchen again. Yeah. But it would definitely be at our house. It's a nice space. It's a good place to be. We've got enough room, and I'm much more comfortable cooking in my own zone. Yes. Okay. Well, that sounds gorgeous. So. All of the guests have now arrived. What's the first thing that happens? Do you offer them a drink? Are they going to have any kind of nibbles or canapes? What kind of thing? Yeah, there's a couple of things we do. Drinks, always something bubbly. So it could be really nice, interesting ciders, which are lovely. Um, Some beautiful champagnes or English sparkling wines. We'll do that. Or we do uh, something like this. Fortnum and Mason do these really nice kind of like sparkling teas for those who aren't drinking. And canapé wise, we would do um, this lovely kind of like smoked cheese gougères, which are um, kind of like little shoe buns with cheese on the top. And then you pipe them with this lovely little filling, smoked cheese gougères with grated truffle on the top. Or sour cream and chive Pringles <gasps> with caviar, because that's like amazing. Oh my goodness. I've never had, I love that with crisps, yeah. but I haven't actually had it with a Pringle, but that's a great idea. Yeah, but it's got to be the sour cream and chive one, right? Don't do the spicy okay. Mexican one or the barbecue <laughs> stuff with caviar, don't wear So it's got to be the green tube with caviar, magic. Okay, red tube at a push. Yeah, red tube at a push. Yeah, salty ones, yeah. They'll, be, they'll be okay, but I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'll go Ooh, green okay. tube and caviar, yeah. I can see Barrack enjoying that. <laughs> yeah, me too, yeah. <laughs> I can also see Jess Phillips going, what on earth is this? Um, and do you play music when you have people around? Like, is music a big part of your life? Music is a big part, yeah, but it would be something like a Spotify playlist. You know, when you go in there and you find like a, a band radio like they have like yes. i don't know bon Iver radio or oasis acoustic radio yeah. or like something like but it would definitely feel something something a bit more just backgroundy guitar-y bit indie-ish that's sort of would be on in the background not too loud because the last thing you want is brian blessed having to raise his voice yeah the music. <laughs> that would be the last thing we want yeah <laughs> brian blessed being loud my god <laughs> Okay, so now it's time to sit down. Talk us through the starter. So the starter would be a twice-baked cheese uh, souffle. So two reasons. One, because it's a very simple, and I love the simplicity of dishes like that done really, really well. Um, You could celebrate really good British cheese, big, strong flavors like punchy, like that salty, slightly acidic cheddars, like a Montgomery cheddar. You could use something a bit milder, like a double Gloucester. And then you you just do a kind of like a cream sauce over the top when you rebake it. So you could do the first bit, baked, chilled, ready to go onto a tray, ready with a splash of cream over the top, some more grated cheese back in the oven, baked for the second time. So it's actually non-stress. It's literally putting it back in the oven for like eight minutes and that's the start done. You've done all the work beforehand. So that would be the starter. It'd be a twice-baked cheese souffle. That sounds amazing. And who are you sitting next to, Tom? I don't know. It might be a little bit weighty, me, Brian Blessed and Joe Marler on one side of the table. It might be a bit... On a bench. Yeah, it might be a bit on a bench. It might be a bit... We might have to swap over a little bit. I think maybe I might have to sit opposite Brian Blessed just so that the house doesn't kill. <laughs> 
stop it. Also, if you've already been for a walk with Barrack, you don't need to be. Yeah, exactly. Next yeah, to him. yeah. I've, I've bought yeah. into death with my rubbish stories. <laughs> I couldn't like. You said it's your turn, Brian. Now I'm going to chat to you. <laughs> um, okay, everyone has enjoyed their cheese souffle. What are you going to move on to for a main course? Main course is going to be a treacle cured beef fillet. Now this is something that we um, you cure in treacle for 24 hours. And then uh, sear it up in a pan, and then we roast it in an oven, but on a really low temperature. So when you talk about like sous vide cookery, and it's dropped in a water bath, and it cooked at a really slow temperature, and it gently cut the middle of a medium rare steak. I'm going to boil a little bit now. Middle of a medium mm. rare steak is around about 57, 58 degrees centigrade, right? So when you drop it in a water bath at 57, 58 degrees centigrade, it's never going to overcook. So you can leave it in there for ages. If you haven't got a water bath, don't matter. Do it in an oven. So in your oven, set it on 60 degrees centigrade. So I'd sear it in the beef, put it in the oven at 60 degrees centigrade. Grade, and then it could sit there for two, three, four hours. It's absolutely mm-hmm. no bother. It's never going to overcook, all right? And you've got that lovely caramelization from the treacle, and then you've seared it up. So it's cured and cooked. So the veg that you could serve with it, a salad, I like a really, a really peppery salad for me would mm-hmm. be amazing. The steak and some baked potatoes. Again, I love a baked potato done properly, and you could mix that with butter and bone marrow. So you've got baked potato mixed with butter and bone marrow. But baked potato, again, is something that you haven't got to worry about. It's done, it's cooked. Salad and beef fillet, beautiful beef fillet, but it's not overcooked. You can sit in the oven whenever. Again, you've got plenty of time to chat, talk, stress-free cooking. Oh, that sounds absolutely amazing. I'm assuming at this point, have you maybe, have you moved on to the wine? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, wine's there that would do a nice red for whatever people wanted. Also, because it's that treacle cured, it's got that rich, dark flavour. I'd look at stouts or dark beers. You know, mm. Joe Marler, Brian Blessed, I imagine, a beer people. Jess Phillips, who knows? I think, you know, she might be a bit of everything. By this point, she might have, done, might have gone through the booze cupboard. I, I mean, I don't know. What do you tend to drink at things like that if you're not drinking? I drink Ribena. I, mm. I, I drink coffees pretty much all the time, all day long. Okay. Uh, but I do like, um, there's a non-alcoholic distilled spirit called Seedlip, which is, Ooh, yeah. that and a tonic water is great. Ribena in a wine glass? Nah, like probably one of my little man's Mr. Men glasses. <laughs> a Tommy Tippy with the double handle. <laughs> How are you going to finish the dinner party? What are you serving for pudding? Fruit pavlova. Really nice, yeah. easy, but I'd make the meringues. Again, you can do them beforehand, but I still want a crispy on the outside with a little bit of chew in the middle. And yeah. then I would probably serve the fruit on the side and the cream on the side and then just put them a big meringue in a plate so they can smash the top as they want, put the cream on and whatever fruit, depending on what time of year it is, so we can go seasonal. As we head into autumn and winter, you could do apples and pears and blackberries and you could do dried fruit coming through into late winter. Um, but, you know, summertime, there's nothing better than strawberries and raspberries and, you know, that sort of so it depends on the time of year when they can come. And so far, they've had Pringles, right? <laughs> they've had Pringles, some whipped up egg white with some cheese. They've had a baked potato. And now I've given them a meringue. Like, it, I, I mean, it's not quite what you expect of a two-star chef, but I'm sure it mm-hmm. tastes nice. All washed down with a side of Ribena. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Who does, no wonder people don't come to my dinner party. <laughs> Uh, no tom what are you talking about this sounds absolutely amazing they are very very lucky to be invited and it it sounds incredible 
after all of the food has been eaten, if you're having a day barbecue, what tends to happen afterwards? Like, do you play games? Is there dancing? Yeah, you kind of like see as the day goes. I'm I'm always up for a game of Trivial Pursuit. I love things with Ooh. like where you've got to use your brain and your like uh, general knowledge, like things like that. They're things that I generally find myself better at. I'm not very good at um. I wasn't very good at school. I wasn't very good at concentrating on particular subjects, but my brain bounces from one thing to another. So it does take in all sorts of bits of ludicrous knowledge. Like, I mean, I won <laughs> Celebrity Mastermind. Like, you know, I was kind of like... I, what was your yeah, special no, I was, subject? My specialist subject was Oasis. Yes. So I did all right on that, but I still, I wasn't in the lead for my specialist subject. Dick, or Dom was from Dick and Dom. I can't remember which one it was. <laughs> one of them was in the lead. and then, But I won on the general knowledge bit. That's very unusual. What, to know stuff? <laughs> no, to I think to be in the lead for the general knowledge and not for your specialist subject. But, well, yeah, I'll come back. So, yeah, I was in second yeah. place and then the, the yeah. general knowledge of it. Or maybe it was luck. I don't know. So a game of Trivial Pursuit, like, you know, something like that. I'm quite up for that. I quite like the idea of that. And of all of your dream dinner party guests, who do you think you'd be most likely to keep in touch with, but also who would you most like to keep in touch with? I think I would be more likely to keep in touch with Joe Marler because um, I'd always be after England tickets. It would be lovely to stay in touch with Barack Obama, but I'm sure he's very busy. It would be that point where he, I, I just, he would just keep getting missed calls off me, you know, <laughs> and then at the end he would block my number. Probably. No, not after he's enjoyed the Pringles, he wouldn't. <laughs> That's very true, and being on a dog walk. Tom, thank you so much. That was your dream dinner party. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Pleasure. Thank you very much. So there we have it. Tom's dream dinner party is over. The food has been eaten. The guests have gone home. I do hope you enjoyed today's episode and make sure you're subscribed to catch all episodes of the dream dinner party and desert island dishes. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.